Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey, clones, what's up? Welcome to the Daily Jungle. We had a fun show today. Boston Red Sox got busted for stealing signs with a freaking Apple Watch. Wilson Contreras learned the hard way that you never, ever slide into Mia Khalifa's DMs. They're still peeling his corpse off the warning track at Wrigley. We also had three excellent guests. Minnesota Gophers head coach P.J. Fleck. Virginia Tech Hokies quarterback Josh Jackson, who went legend and brought you got hocked into the jungle. Plus Nate Brosen, who was absolutely tremendous in talking about his transition from the football field to television, where he is killing it on Good Morning Football, and now the NFL Today on CBS. Alvi, lots to get to, so go ahead and roll. I do want to start with some baseball, though, because it is early September. The pennant races are heating up. The Red Sox and the Yankees battling each other in the AL East, which means it is time for Code Talk. Hell yeah! Time to get into the nuance and details of the unwritten rules of America's pastime. You probably saw that New York Times report that the Red Sox were busted for cheating against the Yankees and other teams. And that cheating? Stealing signs. But the best part is not that they were stealing signs because really, that's not even cheating. Stealing signs is not cheating. It's not that they were ripping signs. It's how they were doing it. That's the issue. The Yankees reportedly believed that the Red Sox had been cheating for quite some time because they were hitting pitches that they should not have been able to detect, that they shouldn't have expected. So the Yankees go to work and they come up with a video that according to the Times claims showed a member of the Red Sox training staff looking at his Apple Watch in the dugout. The trainer then relayed a message to other players in the dugout, who in turn would signal teammates on the field about the type of pitch that was about to be thrown, according to the people familiar with the case. Quote, end of quote. So, somebody would signal the trainer on his Apple Watch about the pitch, He would tell a player, and then that player would signal to his teammate on the field. Freaking fantastic. I mean, a true symphony of awesomeness. And the best part is, somebody finally found a use for an Apple Watch. Hey, 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 Apparently, it's not the first time the Yankees have accused the Red Sox of using technology to cheat, according to CSNNE. They complained to Major League Baseball about pitcher Doug Fister wearing an earpiece in the dugout, which I love. Like, they found that. Hey, hey, look at that guy. You can't do that. He's rocking an earpiece. One problem. It wasn't an earpiece. It was his mouthpiece wrapped around his ear. Nice try with that. Except this, this is real. The Apple Watch was real. According to the Times, quote, Baseball investigators corroborated the Yankees' claims based on the video the commissioner's office uses for instant replay and broadcast, the people said. The commissioner's office then confronted the Red Sox, who admitted that their trainers had received signals from video replay personnel and then relayed that information to Red Sox players, an operation that had been in place for at least several weeks, end quote. Once again, it's so good on so many levels. In fact... I'm not sure that I could like this story any more than I already do. One, it's the Red Sox and Yankees. Two, it's September. Three, it's so petty. 
petty and lame and stunningly obvious an Apple Watch. I mean, that's their espionage. They're high tech. An Apple Watch. I mean, the Newton message pad didn't want any of that. You know what would have been better? It would have been so much better if they had just lugged a full-blown desktop into the dugout, complete with a tower and a dial-up modem. See, this is the problem. Stealing signs is not the problem. It's not even illegal. The problem is you can't be obvious about how you do it. It's not that they did it. It's how they did it. You know, like pine tar. Guys know that pitchers use pine tar or they mix sunscreen and rosin to get a better grip. But you can't be so obvious about it. You can't overdo it. You can't rub their noses in it. It's not that they cheated. And they didn't even cheat, really, until they brought the electronics into it. It's how they did it. I mean, it's a well-known fact, for instance, within the game, that there's a video monitor right near every dugout. It shows a live feed of the game and therefore a live feed of the catcher. As an anonymous player told SI's Tom Verducci, sign-stealing, quote, goes on all the time. Our monitor is so close to the dugout, you could just run up and whistle to the hitter to communicate what pitch is coming. But again, using electronics, even electronics as largely ineffective as the Apple Watch is cheating. If you're stealing signs, it's gamesmanship. If you're using electronic accessories, you're cheating. So what's the punishment? I mean, it's cheating. They got caught. There's electronics. The commissioner's got to come with a hammer, right? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, but you can't let the team with the best record in the AL East get away with that, right? Actually, pretty much you can. Because if history's any guide, the worst that they're looking at is a fine. Maybe, maybe you throw a draft pick penalty in. But there's no way they're going to take away wins from the Red Sox. I hear a Yankee fan like, oh, vacate those wins. They didn't earn them. Give us back our wins. Yeah, because that's going to happen. They're not taking any wins away or do anything that's really going to hurt them in the wallet or the standings. It's going to be a slap on the wrist. The wrist that isn't wearing an Apple Watch. And can I tell you something? This is exactly the kind of headline baseball needs. Because just when you thought one of the greatest rivalries in sports had gassed out, the Yanks and the Sox find a new way to beef. This time, over the one Apple product that did not take over the world. Which is my final thought on that. Full disclosure, I am an Apple addict. I'm an Apple degenerate. I buy new product, whether I need it or not, all the time from them. And you can be damn sure that not only will I get that iPhone 8 when it comes out in a few weeks, and not because my contract is up, or I'm still rocking a 5 and I need to upgrade, but because I'm a cell phone degenerate. And not only will I get that phone, I will stay up past midnight to get online at 12.01 to get in line first. And not only will I do that, when I find out that I'm not going to get it for a month, I will probably go into the streets like the junkie that I am and buy one from somebody on Craigslist. And I'll overpay for that right too. I'm a degenerate. That Apple store is my crack house. And I'm the same way with laptops. Pretty much everything they have. The point of the story, I don't have that freaking watch. I don't have that watch. I don't want that watch. I have no need for that watch. I mean, even the other things I have no need for, I still buy. I have no need and I have no interest. I will never, ever buy that watch. You see this watch? That watch, maybe. I will never, ever, 
ever buy a watch. I can almost guarantee to you, as long as I'm alive and there's more than a dollar in my bank account, I will buy a new iPhone every single year, whether I need it or not. I can also say to you, if I have a dollar in my bank account, I will never buy one of those watches. I've got no interest whatsoever. So the point is, it's hilarious to me that somebody not only got busted for stealing signs, something that's not illegal, but got busted for doing it with the one Apple product that I will never, ever, ever buy. Ever. For any reason. Ever. I just don't get it. I've never looked at one. I've never put one on. Yeah, Rome, you just don't get it. Right. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't get it. Why do I need a watch like that? I've got my phone. That's my watch. And I also have a watch that's a watch. I'm not going to go all Dick Tracy with it and spit out text into my watch. <laughs> but that's how they got caught cheating, which is hilarious. Clones, give me one moment so I can talk to you about Stamps.com. Stamps.com saves you time and money, which you can use to grow your business. I can mail any letter, any package, using just my computer and printer, and the mailman picks it right up. I can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. And you can create your Stamps account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Click Print, mail, and you are done. Unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. You can print postage for letters or packages at your own convenience 24-7. It's convenient. It's easy. It's reliable. It's flexible. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. I use Stamps.com because I can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, and any class of mail I have using my own computer and printer. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer. Offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the very top of the homepage, type in Rome. Stamps.com, enter Rome. Stamps.com, never go to the post office ever again. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. PJ Fleck. PJ, as always, I need to start off by asking you, how are you today, PJ? I'm doing elite, Jim. How are you, man? Thanks I for having it. us on the show. I knew it. I'm doing great, PJ. Great to have you back. So after the season opening win, you came back to the locker room. You didn't just walk in. You sprinted in, and then you jumped up and crowd surfed on the players. What was that moment like for you? Well, I always remember that. You know, you always remember your first win. But uh, the one thing I, I told our players I've learned over a long period of time, especially when you go one and eleven. Uh, at a point in your head coaching career, you can never take a win for granted. So well, we didn't play particularly well. We've got a long way to go. We have a very young and inexperienced team. Uh, but uh, I want to make sure they always capture that, that feeling of winning. And uh, you're going to celebrate it because you work so hard to get it. It's very hard to get. And I wanted to make sure they understood that. And uh, I didn't know if we were going to do that like we used to do back at Western Michigan. But they called for it. So I guess uh, we'll just continue to do it that way. University of Minnesota head football coach P.J. Fleck joins us once again. Your kicker, Emmett Carpenter, missed a field goal in the first half, another early in the fourth quarter. Then he comes back. He ices the game with a 43-yarder with just over two minutes to go. What did that tell you about his resiliency and the resiliency of your team on the whole? Well, I think that, you know, nobody's perfect and that it's how we respond to adversity that makes us who we really are as individuals and as a team. And that's what our hyperculture is about. Uh, I believe in him. Uh, I think he's one of the best people we have on this football team. The first field goal of the year, I sent him out there for a 51-yarder. I mean, into the win, it's like, thanks, Coach. Couldn't you, couldn't you give me like a you know 23-yarder to start <laughs> the year off? But uh, that's how much I believe in him. And then it turned out to be 14-7. to It's fourth and one. 
or we can kick the uh, 47-yarder. And uh, I looked at him and said, here we go. I told you we're going to come back and you're going to win this football game for us, so go out there and do it. And, and he did, and he did his job, and he did what he's really good at, and that's responding. Coaches always talk about culture. You just said hyperculture. What does hyperculture mean? Well, it's really everything in our program. I mean, Row the Boat's part of our hyperculture. Uh, the H is the how. How you do something really matters. It's not what you do or why you do it. It's how you do it. That means everything. And that's really the people of the organization, right? You want to get how people. And then the why is yours, and that's your vision. So you got to get the right people to plug them into this vision, right? This crazy vision of Minnesota win Big Ten championships in the future that hasn't been done in 50 years. And then the P is the process. So you get the people, you got a vision, then you got to go to work. Uh, and that's that's the who, what, where, when, why, and how of different things. And then you get to a result. So you got the people, you got a vision, you go to work, and then you're always going to get some type of result, no matter what you're doing. Uh, and then that's just data and information. And then the final R, that's response. And that's what makes average teams good, good teams great, great teams excellent, and elite or excellent teams elite. Uh, and, and you look across that board, H-Y-P-R-R, that's any organization, that's a company, that's a business, that's a football program, that's your own family life. Those are the things that we continue to teach here and will continue to teach uh, through our time here at the University of Minnesota with the hyperculture. You are listening to P.J. Fleck. Now, when you look back on that win over Buffalo and you're getting ready now to face Oregon State, is what you did against Buffalo good enough to beat Oregon State or do you have to find another level? Yeah, not even close. I mean, not even close. And we made sure we're very open and honest with our players. One thing I never really do is talk much about the result. Result is just data. So we didn't talk about the win. We talked about all the things we can continue to do better, how we can continue to change our best. And we're going to have to play a lot better, uh, especially with going out west, making the trip, uh, and especially with a young and inexperienced team. I mean, this is a lot of these guys that are playing. This is going to be their first road trip. So we've got to make sure that we just focus on ourselves and be better than we were last week. And, again, the results will be what the results are. This is very similar to how we rebuilt the culture at, at Western Michigan. It's the same thing. So we aren't going to focus much about the results. We're going we're to focus on the process of getting those results down the road, but work on the little integral parts, the fundamentals, the details that we can control because that's all we can control. Let me ask you this. I mean, obviously the goal is to be better next week than you were last week, but how much growth can you realistically expect between first, the first game and the second game? Well, the biggest thing is I think it's, it's just taking advantage of your opportunities. I think there's a very, very small margin. You know, I've been 1-11 as a head coach, and we're 13-0 as a head football coach. When you look in between, what happened is we caught the interceptions we used to drop. Uh, we recovered the fumbles that we didn't see and didn't play hard enough to get during the whistle. We bit the ball where we were able to knock more loose than we didn't than we did. We were able to to create a third and one instead of a third and three and four. Uh, we won more on first and second down on offense. We're able to pin people down inside the 20 on special teams. So those are all the smallest things, right? You're not trust me. We're not going to you know, change people's names. We're not going to grow six inches. We're not going to be uh, 100 pounds heavier or run a 4-240 tomorrow. But it's, it's uh, making sure people understand how games are won, how games are lost, and what goes into that. And that's where we have to play better. P.J. Fleck joining us, and I know that you're looking for them to make the right choices, to make proper choices. As an example, you've used Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, and in particular, the he chose poorly scene where there's the choice between the cups to drink from and the right cup is not the bright and beautiful cup, but it's the Carpenter's Cup. How does that connect to the football program and what you're trying to do? Well, we have to have that blue collar approach. I mean, we haven't won a championship with all due respect in 50 years. Uh, that's a long time. 
and we have to do things way different than we ever have. And this is not an extension off of years prior to me. This is a brand new culture, a different culture, year zero of a brand new culture. Um, and when you look at the national championship trophy or the Big Ten trophy, it's very shiny. Uh, it, it's very beautiful. Uh, it looks like an easy process because everything is so clean, shiny. But beyond that and behind that is the day-to-day process. It's the, 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 the cup of a carpenter. It's, it, it's not shiny. It's one of the things that looks like it's handmade, uh, hand-carved. It's not perfect. Um, and, and that's what we wanted to create. So we have this big national championship display code, uh, case now, and it has this little old carpenter cup in it. And that's our trophy. Every single day we have to go win that by our effort, our how, our vision, our process, and how we respond to the results we get. Now, back at Big Ten Media Days, you read some mean tweets with the Big Ten Network, and one of them was, and I quote, PJ, I can't stand PJ Fleck. No one should be that energetic, end quote. So what's your reaction when you hear that? I mean, is there really any reason not to be energetic? Absolutely not. I mean, the the, the funny thing is the tweets get meaner and meaner as you go through your career. Uh, (laughs) That's what I've realized, Um, you know, and, and but for me that that is people's opinion. Um, one thing about myself, my perspective of life, I pour everything I have into making other people's lives better. If people don't want to uh, make their lives better, that's very difficult for me to affect them. I'm going to rub them the wrong way. I work really well with people who want to create something legendary, people who want to do something with their life positive, who want to serve and give, who want to be better people, who maybe don't know how to do it, but they just want to. And that's why I'm here. I'm a servant, and I'm just going to continue to serve and give as long as the good Lord puts a platform uh, in front of me and my coaching staff and the people around me to continue to influence in a very, very positive way because our world is a very, very, very negative place. And if we can shine positivity with our platform of football, then that's what we're here to do. And we're here to do that with the 2017 Golden Gopher football. No matter what the result is, eventually we're going to be better people we're going to do the right things, and eventually we're going to win on the field. Eventually. I don't know when that will happen, but that's the whole plan, just like we did at Western Michigan. So I usually – I never really let people get to me, um, and I know I'm not going to be and I get that. P.J. Fleck, my guest, Minnesota wins their season opener over Buffalo. Next up, they've got Oregon State. That's Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern. P.J., I would say have an elite day, but you've already had an elite day. It's so good to have you back. Thanks very much. Congrats on that win. Looking forward to seeing this week against Oregon State, too. Well, we're changing our best. Keep rowing the boat, Jim. Thanks a lot, man. Now, there are a lot of different ways to pass the time on the DL. National superstar Bryce Harper went full riffraff and braided his lettuce into cornrows. Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras spent a month sliding into a porn star's DMs. Neither one of them good looks, but one is far, far worse than the other especially when the screenshots of the DMs get posted online for the entire world to see. And for his efforts, he joins a group second only in membership to the Self-Gloss Club. Make some room, Jose Canseco, J.R. Swish, Marcus Jordan, Chad Kelly, Duke Williams, Le'Veon Bell, and the countless other athletes who have got blown up trying to slide into the DMs. Now you may or may not know who Mia Khalifa is. Aside from being an enormous sports fan, with 
8 million followers on Twitter. That's a huge number. 1.8 million. She is also an adult film actress. And I feel pretty safe in saying that a good chunk of the 1.8 million are not necessarily looking for her take on Colin Kaepernick. I can't speak for all of them. I know this. I sure as hell feel safe in saying that Wilson Contreras wasn't. Because my man was thirsty as hell in her DMs. Starting way back on August 4th when he started in with, Hi, how are you? I'm sure you get a lot of this stuff. No, I'm sure you get this a lot. But I'm a big fan of you. Let me just restate that. Quote, Hi, how are you? I'm sure you get this a lot, but I'm a big fan of you. Hey, Wilson, awesome line. That's a guy spitting crazy game. Quote, I'm sure you get this a lot, but I'm a big fan of you. Yeah, I'm sure that's just what she wanted to hear. I'm sure you get this a lot, but I'm a big fan of you. Translation, I watch your porn. I love it. He then chased out with four emojis of different faces, including the winking one blowing a heart for a kiss. But it gets worse. Because when she didn't respond, and why would she? Three hours later, he hits her with, it will be great if you just say hi. And this is when she finally did respond. One word, three letters. Bye. I mean, she's cold-blooded. You just, if you check her game on social media, you do not want to mess with her at all. She has made some dudes look really, really bad. Thirsty dudes who don't have nearly the game or intellect to keep up. So he comes in with, it will be great if you just say hi. And she finally does respond with, bye. So add a shattered ego to Wilson's medical report. But if you thought that this dude was going to back off, you clearly do not know Wilson Contreras because he was back at it the very next morning with, quote, LOL, good morning, to which he also got no response. Six days later, he goes with, good afternoon, no response. Three days later, he's back in the DMs with me friend and a fire emoji. Still no response. And then finally, weeks later, he tries again with, quote, I hope you're doing good. So you're probably thinking, hey, Rome, how the hell do you even know all this? How do you know all this? I'll tell you how. I know the same way you all know. Because Mia Khalifa straight put this dude on blast and posted the screenshots last night for everybody to see with the accompanying tweet, Cubbies, your man is wandering around left field. Can you come get him? Well, you talk about your all-time backfires. Talk about your all-time backfires. Dude's been straight roasted, put out to pasture, absolutely slaughtered. Because the only thing worse than how desperate those DMs were is the days between them. One thing to shoot your shot. Shoot or shoot, right? One thing to shoot your shot, get it swatted, and then walk away. Another to just throw in blind darts every couple of days and miss the board altogether. I mean, a good place to have stopped would have been after she hit back with, bye. 
Actually, a good place to have stopped would have been before sending the first message. No one can ever screenshot DMs that do not exist. Lesson learned for next time, I suppose. And maybe next time somebody hits you back with a stone-cold denial like, bye, leave that person alone and stop harassing them with thirsty-as-hell DMs. Or instead, grab a chair at the barbershop and get braided up like Bryce. But the only thing more predictable than an athlete getting caught up in some DMs is the I was hacked card. Getting played right from the bottom of the deck. Because if you believe Contreras' agency, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, right. Because some troll hacked the account and played a long con. The long, several-week con of DMing Mia Khalifa every couple of days. Because account hackers are also method actors. No way this guy was hacked. No chance. He was denied and embarrassed, but not hacked. Couldn't have gone any worse. Josh Jackson. So I laid it out. You had a very successful debut as a starter on Sunday against the 22nd ranked team in the country on an NFL field with the entire country watching, and you made it seem like it was no big deal at all. Can you take us back to before the game? What kind of emotions were you feeling? I mean, were you nervous at all, or were you just hyped to get the season started? Um, I'd say a little bit of both. Obviously, you're going to have some nerves playing in your first game, and I was really hyped to just get it going with just the amazing atmosphere that was going on. And uh, after that first completion of Cam on the first play, I kind of calmed down and just tried to focus in and do the best I could. So, Now, and you put up excellent numbers, but I'd argue that it goes way beyond the stats, Josh. In the second half, you led three touchdown drives, each time putting your team back in front after West Virginia had tied the game. And it's a rivalry with a lot of bragging rights at stake. So were you feeling any pressure at all in the second half, or were you just out there balling? Um, I wouldn't say we were thinking about the pressure. We knew we had to keep scoring as an offense. Um, so I was just trying to do the best I could, put guys in good situations, try to take care of the ball as much as I could, and just have fun out there, I guess. You know, it was tough, though. West Virginia had a drive going at the end of the game. Your defense comes up with a stop as time runs out to win it. What's your reaction then when the clock hits triple zeros and it's all over? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, we got to run on the field. We got to celebrate. Um, it, was, it was an awesome feeling, especially the first game of the season. Um, to win a game like that in crunch time, it, it was pretty awesome. Virginia Definitely remember that for a long time. For sure. Always Virginia Tech quarterback Josh Jackson joining us. Now, your coach Justin Fuente said that when it came to your performance, quote, I was awfully proud, probably more than proud. I was happy for him because he's worked awfully hard, end quote. So how much pride do you take in the preparation that you've put in and that you were able to deliver the way you did when it mattered most? Yeah, I was, I was really happy about it. You know, we worked – We've been working since January um, with all of our like Colorado circuits and then summer conditioning and everything that goes into it to really put things together for the first game of the season. That's always, you know, that's always a great feeling for a team. Um, we played well, and it was just, yeah, definitely a great feeling. He connected with wide receiver Cam Phillips seven times, 138 yards, and a touchdown. He's made the point that you're very mature, so he wasn't at all surprised by the way you showed up. How would you describe the relationship that the two of you have? Uh, we got a pretty jokey relationship, <laughs> but um, he's a great guy. He's a great receiver. Um, I'm very comfortable throwing him the ball because I know 
Um, shoot, if it's double coverage, triple coverage, he's going to go up and try to get it, and he's got my back, and I have his. So it's a great relationship me and Cam have. That was really funny the way you answered that because he's being to the next thing. You guys do have kind of a funny relationship where you can kind of joke each or have jokes with each other because when you when you ripped off a 46-yard run in the second half but didn't quite get to the end zone, when he was asked about it, he said, quote, you're a little on the chubby side. <laughs> so what's your reaction when you hear that? Is that a cheap uh, shot from an upperclassman? Uh, it might be a little bit of a cheap shot, but that's just KF being Cam. That, that was, I thought it was hilarious when he said that because um, everybody had been saying, if you get out, what do you think will happen? I was like, I could get hawked, but we'll see what happens. And, of course, <laughs> I end up getting hawked, but guy made a great tackle on me. Um, but, yeah, that was that was hilarious by Cam. That's funny. Josh Jackson joining us. Now, your father, Fred, is a high school coach back in Michigan. He was able to make it to the game on Sunday and celebrate with you on the field after the game. I can only imagine the time the two of you spent growing up. What was it like to have your father on the field with you in that moment? It was awesome. Um, I saw him, like, get onto the sideline, like, late in the fourth quarter. I was kind of wondering, like, what, what in the world is he doing? And then to have him there when we get the victory and – having him with me in the post-game interview, that was awesome. And he knows I play quarterback and we're the number for him, so it was a great feeling. It's nice. Now, he was an assistant at Michigan for a long time. You used to spend a lot of time in the film room with him as well as going to pregame meetings with the players and the coaches. So what was it like growing up the son of a football coach? Um, it was it was fun, like being able to be around those guys like when I was younger and watch them play and be in the meetings and kind of like see how they go. I would even take notes sometimes. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to be around football like that growing up, and I think it was a great experience for me. You know, one more part of that story, though. He was a quarterback, but he did not get a fair shot coming out of high school. When you were named the starter, you called him to tell him the news, and he said that he wasn't all that surprised that you were named the starter, but it was still an emotional moment for him. What do you remember about that conversation, and what did the two of you talk about? Um, I just remember him letting out a big scream, like a big yes, you know, um, that's all what I always remember. But like then we we only talked for a couple minutes because he was actually getting ready to go on the practice field. But um, yeah, it was a great. I was really happy I could call him and tell him first. So um, meant a lot. Meant a lot for me. At Mr. Toxic tweets, Jimmy. I wish I could see little Alvy's face when he was hitting the hawk button over and over again. War hawk getting hawked. Jeff from the nine one nine. Honestly, Rome, you're giving Mia Khalifa a run for her money for takedown of the week with your fatality of the sparrow. Hashtag hot. Mike D for three tweets. The best way to get hot is to be starstruck by Johnny Football while sharing a Virginia Slim over conversation. Hot. At Brian C60, go to Napa Valley for wine tasting and ask for water. Hashtag got hot. At Dentech Jason, he tweets, I lit a firework and my fingers got hot. <laughs> At Struvy 406, we got hocked <laughs> too. Signed TO stuff. We got hocked <laughs> too. TO stuff. Drew in West LA, quote, I got pocked. <laughs> Eddie almost. Hey, Drew, 1999 called. They want their tweet back. Not funny then and really not funny now. What? I'll tell you what, Sparrow, you have certainly made your mark on this here jungle. You have certainly made your mark, and it's not with your producing, and it's not with your booking, and it's not with your writing, and it's not with your relationship building. It's with you hawking.
You've been hawked several times. How, dude, can I ask you something? In all honesty, how long have you worked here? Like 30 years? That's like enough hawking for 30 years. There's no way you could have done all those things in one year. And that's what I know about. It's not even a year, right? It's 11 months. Well, bro, understand this. Your job security is good because there's no way I ever let you go. With all the show fodder I get from you just being you without even trying. I mean, dude, look at these tweets. I've never even said or done anything or interviewed anybody to inspire that kind of content. You really are the king, Hawk. It's incredible. I could just read these tweets all day long. If I never did anything but read tweets about you all day long, I would still have one of the best radio shows ever. That's why you see a lot of extra energy and enthusiasm in my sparrows now. You got game, kid. Are you looking for the perfect smoker? I have one. Digital electric smoker makes slow smoking easy and the taste, there is nothing better. The master built smoker makes everything you taste or everything you make taste great. Ribs, mac and cheese is insane. Green beans are incredible. I've had them all. You name it. All great. Visit masterbuilt.com for more infos, recipes, and to find a retailer. You will find it all at masterbuilt.com. Dot com. I'm close to the huge call. This says, I got hot. Signed, the Fabio. Oh, the Fabio. Remember, dude was on a roller coaster and got his beak smashed by a hawk? He got hot. Guy was great. He pulled in. I haven't seen somebody with that many bird guts in their hair since that bird came through that plane when I was a kid and got all over me. That was so awesome. Flying from Honolulu to Maui. We're in this little puddle jumper. I hear this terrific crash. There's blood all over me. I'm like, I'm a hero. I'm going to heaven. I'm just a kid. I don't even know what happened. I'm like, if I'm dying, and I know I am because I've got blood and guts all over me. Like my brain. I hate to say it, not to be crude, but like my brain has exploded. I've got my own brain everywhere. But I'm like, wow. I know I'm in heaven because I'm not in pain. I'm dead, but I'm not in pain. Heaven's great. I go to the back of the plane. I'm like, Dad, what happened? Am I dying? He's like, no, you're fine. That's a bird. It's not you. It's not your guts. It's not your blood. That's a seagull. My dad looked me in the eye. I I swear, I swear this is what happened. My dad looked me in the eye and he he says, son. I said, Dad. He goes, you got hot. Nate Burleson is my guest. So, Nate, we're about 24 hours away from the start of the season with the Chiefs and the Pats in Foxborough. You're now a couple of days from the start of the NFL today on CBS. So, how is life for you right now, Nate? Life is busy. Life is busy. I'm working five days a week with Good Morning Football. Um, I've been enjoying that show for a little over a year, and I just got the nod this past summer to take the job for NFL Today, which is an absolute honor, uh, working with James Brown, Boone, Phil, uh, and, of course, coach. So, uh, you know, it's going to get even busier. You know, you, you go for five days a week, six days a week doing anything, going to have a little fatigue, not to mention, you know, got the wife and kids at home. But, Jim, you know, like I know, uh, if you want to go out there and improve your worth and do something big in the business of TV and radio, you got to work your butt off. You've been doing it for quite some time. I've been a fan forever. So 
I don't have to explain the grind to you, my brother. Nate Brosen, appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that, and, and I do know that. I know that as well as anybody. Just as was clear to me, Nate, when you and I would talk, when you were playing, and I always see this with guys, and I knew you would be, I knew you'd be one of these guys, that you would have a future in the media after your career was over, and you've absolutely killed it. So talk to me for a minute, and we'll talk plenty of football, but what was the transition like for you, and has it played out the way you expected it to play out off the field? Well, I, I started to think about my career as it, it got towards the end. Is the the bright the bright light at the end of the tunnel it just got bigger and bigger, and I, and I thought to myself, okay, we need to start planning our exit strategy. You know, at that point, you start stacking money away. You start being a little bit more tight in how you're spending, talking to the wife and the kids about where you're going to live permanently. And then the broadcast boot camp came along, and I took advantage of the opportunity to get involved in it. And I walked away with, you know, people praising me and saying, hey, man, you're good, you're clever, you're a natural, they're patting me on the back. You did a great job over three days of work, and that was great. Trust me, I'm a receiver, so fluffing my ego is the best thing you can do. But I remember walking away from the broadcast boot camp and realizing, like, I don't know jack about the art of being on TV, the art of being on radio, the craft of what it takes to be a strong TV personality, all these subtleties eye contact, body language, being able to deliver what you're saying with confidence, how to study and be a student, and then take whatever you're studying and what's in your head and articulate that in a way that's engaging and not boring and entertaining. So it kind of intrigued me. And I was like, you know what? I feel like a rookie again. I feel like a baby again. So how am I going to learn how to crawl? How am I going to learn how to walk around? And I took my time, and I started to really develop these skills, and it started working with NFL Networks. It's been in my course since day one, and they allowed me to kind of spread my wings and, and show every bit of my versatility. And then the opportunity came to do good morning football, which it was difficult, you know, at first. It was much more than getting chemistry with my other tremendous host. It was, you know, the, the different things that I didn't know how to do. It was, you know, writing my script in a way that I can deliver it on TV, it's reading the prompter, it's going in and out of breaks, doing live news hits. You know, how to change, you know, your mood depending on the type of story you're talking about. And I started to work and work and work, and I would sit at home just like I would do when I played and build on all these weaknesses that I had. And I would watch, you know, individuals like you. I would listen to to games and turn – the, the, it would mute the whole TV so I could speak over it, or vice versa. I would close my eyes and listen to Troy Aikman or Chris Collinsworth, and I started to work on all these things. And now here I am, you know, blessed that CBS gave me an opportunity to sit on such a, you know, a, a glorious stage with these men that are legends. And I'm going to do whatever I can to uphold the tradition, the honor, and the standard of what it means to be on Sundays on NFL Today. Nate. Burleson is my guest. You know, Nate, we may not get to the week one matchups. This is fascinating what you just said, and I want to explain why that is. A number of athletes would say to me as their careers were coming to an end, listen, I want to get into broadcasting. What advice do you have for me? And I would tell guys the same exact thing, Nate, and you obviously knew this already. I would say, listen, it's not a victory lap. It's never going to be as exhilarating or as exciting as your career, but when you get off that field, you have to attack it the same way. It's not going to be the same thing. It's not going to be the same adrenaline rush, but you have to attack it the same way and work it the same way and have a similar process. And I would say that knowing that it's 
it's not the same. And the guys won't work it the same, but you're like the only guy I've ever heard who works it the same. When you talk about what you've done to get yourself prepared for TV, you're breaking it down like you approach your work as a receiver with the technique and with the process. Nate, you're literally the only athlete I've ever heard say it like that. It's not the same, but you have to attack it the same, don't you? 100%, Jay. You know all about it, man. Like, like how you've been doing what you've been doing for so long at such a high level. I know I've heard you work. And I also know Kyle Brandt. I work with Kyle Brandt. So, you know, he, he's talked about your work ethic and how you approach things on the road, just like Bill Belichick would. I mean, I've, I've listened to him and, and, and got to experience some of the behind the scenes. So you understanding, like, how it is. It, it's something different than athletes understand it. Because, like you said, they think it's a victory lap. And they think they're gonna, you're going to do in TV what you did on the field. And I tell you the biggest mistake that some of these networks have is they'll have an athlete on. And he'll be on for a segment or two, and they'll say, great job, great job. And it's almost, you know, part of the course. I'll just tell them, great job, great job, so he'll come back. But really, if they're not doing a great job, don't tell them that because you're, you're, you're giving them a false sense of, you know, who they really are. If a coach sees you and you run the wrong route, my coach, Sean Jefferson in Detroit, who played in the league, is going to say, great job, great job. He's going to say, Nate, come here, bring your butt over here. What are you doing? You need to get off the line of scrimmage. I need you low at the point of attack. And then that 50-50 ball, I need you to plant your feet, go up and get it. What you fading away from it for? I'll put you on the field to move the chains. Move the chains. That's what he's going to tell me. Now, it's the same thing with some of the mentors I had. I remember being in L.A., and they say, what are you talking about? What are you saying? You don't have to say, I think. I know what you're thinking because you're saying it. You don't have to say to be honest because hopefully you're being honest every time you talk. And say something. Be critical of these guys. They'll respect you more if you actually criticize them for when they're doing something wrong than sitting there patting them on the back every chance you get to talk in front of TV. And for me as a player, instead of getting in my feelings like I did, like I never did, I'd say, you know what, I'm listening to them. Let me take that and let me apply that and continue to apply these things. It's going to put me in position I am in. And listen, like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, I'm still an infant. I still got a ton more to learn, and I, I got a long way to go, but – you know, I, I'm just getting started, baby, and, and it's going to be a fun year and hopefully a lot of years to come. No, you you are, Nate. And one more thing, and we'll talk football next time, but I want to make this point, point. I think you know this already. In fact, I know you know this because you're about process. I think you understand the opportunity in front of you. Like, you show on NFL Network is awesome. And, that, and by the way, that's a hard thing to do. That is a hard, hard thing to do every single day because you go back to zero. No matter how good that show is, you have to do it again the next day and the next day and the next day. Now, the NFL today is something different, and I can speak to this because because I appear on that show several times with just a very small piece of real estate, and it's incredible. It's been one of the best things of my entire career. That is premium real estate, and you're joining up with legends like James Brown, Boomer, Bill Cowher, Phil Simms. How are you feeling right now about that opportunity, and how excited are you to get the season underway with them? Man, I'm I'm, I'm like a, a kid in a candy store just sitting here waiting for the doors to open so I can go in and, and, and really show exactly what I could bring to the table. You know, we had this seminar out here, and I was talking to the CBS family, and I got up there. I rushed from work. I, I did my typical day. I woke up at 4 a.m., I hop in the car, I get to the to CBS building, a production meeting at 5, makeup at 6, live at 7. I was off at 10. I ran straight outside, hop in the car, went to the seminar, I sat down. You know, I couldn't even, you know, relax and breathe before they introduced us as a group. And I'm watching this promo shoot that we did in New York. And it's in front of all of the CBS family. And I'm getting goosebumps. And then James Brown goes up. And then Coach goes up. And then Phil goes up. And then Boom goes up. And they're like, oh, Nate, you got to say something. 
I had nothing prepared, so I just went with my heart, which is usually what I go with. And I started talking about what this means to people that watch this show and how long it's been in existence. The 50-year anniversary in me, Nate Brosen, no Super Bowl ring, no Hall of Fame, um, not a long laundry list of Pro Bowls. I'm here on the stage. So this prime real estate, like you said, I have to take advantage of these small opportunities. to Randy Moss's Batman, the Robin, the Calvin Johnson's Batman. So I thrive in small opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities. But the one thing I capped it off with, I said, you know, people talk about being the young, hip, cool guy on the show. Whatever. You could say that I'm young. That's obvious. There's different generations, and that's what makes this so great because you have different perspectives. But as far as saying I'm the cool one, I had to stop everybody there and say, I'm not the cool one. And I pointed to the guys behind me. I said, this is cool. James Brown is cool. His career is cool. Three-time Emmy nominated. Coach Cower is cool. The legendary Coach Cower, ring in his closet. You got Phil Sims. You got Super Bowls. You got Boom. You got MVPs. The cool is behind me. I'm just the one that gets to sit at the cool kids' table every Sunday. Preach, my man. Preach. You're preaching to the choir. You're 100% right. And, Nate, I don't need to worry about you because you clearly get it. 11 years in the NFL, an NFL network analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nate13Burleson. You can watch him Monday through Friday on the NFL Network's Emmy-nominated Good Morning Football starting at 7 a.m. And now you can see him on NFL Today on CBS. Nate, it is so great to get caught up. I will see you in a few weeks in New York. And great to have you on the show, my man. You just did it great. You crushed it. Thanks, Jay. Thank you so much for listening and for listening to episode two of the Jim Rome podcast. Both Bob Costas and Adam Carolla were incredible. Do me a favor. Head to iTunes or Google Play. Hit subscribe. Tell a friend. Leave a review. That'd be great. Trust both podcasts. And check back tomorrow right here for more Daily Jungle. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.